This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my mom and co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Well, it's great to be on the show with you today, and uh, we've got an inspiring guest. And what I like about her is she is likes to call herself an open book, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've got her new book here. We've had her on before, so if you like what Paula Stevens says, you want to go to our site and Google her name, and you can hear the other show. But right now, she's got a wonderful new book out. From Grief to Growth, the five essential elements of action to give you your grief purpose and grow from your experience. And Heidi, I want you to introduce her because she has had some experience, hasn't she, about the grief and loss? She absolutely has. And I met Paula at the Compassionate Friends because she was teaching a yoga class. And it was so phenomenal and fabulous. And she is a very spiritual and healing person. And she will talk to us about how she, what helped her along her journey after her son died, and what gave her hope. So I will introduce her. Paula Stevens is a speaker, yogi, and blogger on the topic of healing after loss. Her blog titled, What I Wish Other People Understood After Losing a Child, has received over 1.3 million views. It's amazing. Um, She lost her father at an early age and her son Brandon in 2010. Her son was in the military. He was Army, Infantry, and Airborne, and had just graduated from Fort Benning, and he was home for the weekend when he died of a complication related to a prescription drug. And as you said, Mom, she is the author of the book, From Grief to Growth. Welcome to the show, Paula. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love you girls, and I love when we get to spend time together. We love you, too. Feeling is definitely mutual. Absolutely. I love your website, Crazy Good Grief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. That pretty I much sums to... it up, Paula. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of questions. I have people actually email me and say, I don't get it. <laughs> and I go, yeah, I know. Have they had a loss? Because if they had, <laughs> I think they'd get it. <laughs> yeah, I think they get the crazy part and yeah. the grief part. It's the good part that throws people for So, so talk to us about the good part. Yeah. Um. As you mentioned, so I lost my dad when I was 16, and um, the loss of my father and the loss of my son were distinctly two very, very different events, Um, and not just because of my own age, but my father passed away after a very long, drawn-out battle with cancer. And so, you know, we, although my family, we didn't talk about it, it was sort of unspoken that, you know, my dad would not live forever and he would not grow to be an old man. And, um, and so, you know, I remember the morning that we got the call from the hospital and they said, after you went home last night, your dad said, I'm done fighting. And, um, he's asked, wasn't it like Christmas time? It was Christmas Eve. Yeah. I remember from your book. Yeah. So it was Christmas Eve and, um, you know, for Christmas Eve, we then headed down to the hospital to spend those last moments with my dad. Um, so, you know, having that experience of losing someone to a very extended illness was much different than losing my son 
very unexpectedly, my 21-year-old son, who was healthy and vibrant and strong and this, you know, amazing, you know, soldier of a young man, um, you know, who wore his heart on his sleeve, and he was just this, you know, rugged, compassionate kind of person, and he, you know, dies so unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very, very different types of losses, and and then the difference between a parent-child relationship and a child-parent relationship. So, um, you know, it. I think when I say good grief, um, or I say from grief to growth. I think that sometimes we lose sight of the fact that these relationships, we were never promised anything. No one ever promised me how many days or years I would have a relationship with my dad. No one ever promised me how many days, months, or years I would have a relationship with my son. But those moments that I did, that's the good stuff. That's the the radiance and the light and the love that continues on after they're gone. And yet we so often find ourselves stuck ruminating over the grief instead of the love and the light and the radiance. And okay, I'm so loving where you are, mm-hmm. and I'm listening <laughs> to this, and I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's pretty amazing. I, I was saying to you earlier on the show, we were uh, before the show started, I said, how long has it been? And you said seven years since Brandon died. And I said, you know, in the grief and loss world, particularly for a, a kid, that's mm-hmm. not a long time. And I, I think listeners who've had a loss understand that. People who haven't are surprised. But the reality is it's not a, seven years isn't a long time. It's not like you're in the deep hell that you're in the first maybe two or three years. But, you know, you're you're still growing and changing. But after seven years, you have got such insight and able to write a book and be able to do this. I think it's got to be partially related to the fact that you did lose your dad and you did some spiritual work in between his death and Brandon's, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I have practiced yoga for about 17 years. And um, like a lot of people, my yoga practice started as um, a physical practice. You know, I went to the class to get the workout and, and it was different. And, you know, I thought I was going to get all these amazing things. And what it really has led me to is it has been so much of the foundation of my healing process. And it's probably my favorite thing about yoga is whether you're looking to have like a boot camp workout or you need to just lay in Shavasana and open your heart to the healing that is available Yoga meets you anywhere. It, it takes you on any end of the continuum, and it sits with you, and it says, yes, this is where we are today. Um, so I do think I probably have a little bit of an advantage in that, yes, I did have previous losses before my son, and, um, you know, my life has a lots of twists and turns to it, and, um, you know, I'm an adopted child, and so, you know, there's that whole layer of all the things that how we perceive the world differently as an adopted child and, you know, the loss of a marriage getting divorced. And, you know, I, um, I wouldn't trade any of those experiences though, because they've allowed me to cleave away the things that are unimportant in life and really be able to focus on the essentials, the things that really give our life meaning uh, I love it. That's pretty mm-hmm. amazing, isn't it, Heidi? It is, and I'm just thinking of all the losses, and I'm thinking of, it's interesting, the adoption piece. I mean, I have a daughter that is adopted, 
But like you said, you kind of came into this world with loss, the -hmm. loss of your biological parents on an unconscious level. So your loss, mm-hmm. your loss journey started started very, very early. You know what I love in your book is that you talk about five elements of action. I like that word, action. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I and, do. <laughs> let's talk about your five elements. Let's talk about wellness and self-care. Your first one, because if somebody's listening to this show who's in the first year or second year, you are into self-care, right? Yes, or at least you should be. Um, And that was one of the things. So uh, my background is in the health and wellness industry. My, you know, my official, like my uh, um, formal education is exercise physiology. And so it's funny, when I wrote the book and I had my husband read it, he says when he read chapter two on the wellness and self-care, he goes, Oh, that's written like a college professor. And then he says, you know, and he goes, but then when you get into later when you're talking about gratitude, he goes, then your inner Buddhist comes out. (laughs) You know, I think you will see this, um, the different aspects. But, you know, we have to remember that, yes, grief is an emotional response to the physical loss of our loved one. But that mind-body connection is so powerful Mm -hmm. that moving our body, and it's as if, and and I ask people in the book to personify their grief, and you have to remember that keeping your grief malleable, keeping it pliable, working with it, not letting it get hardened is is an essential element. It reminds me of Plato. Yes, exactly. Um, Yes, using that, that visual of keeping your grief malleable. Because when we can move it and shape it and turn it over and twist it around and, and work with it, then we can figure it out and we can integrate it into who we are and this who is, we're becoming as a result of our loss. This is good. But when it sits there and it just gets hardened and it's like concrete, then you got to get the jackhammer out. And who has fun playing with a jackhammer? No one. No one at all. So keeping it malleable, and that means being present with it and sitting with it and being curious about it. And also being willing to scream and cry and yell in the yes. car and scream oh in the gosh, shower. Of course. Yes, all of it, all of it. And to be able to sit with it and say, this is my grief and it's a shit show. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, okay. I always call it, think of grief as a tantrum. It's a tantrum yes. because we were told all of our lives, if you, we all know that if you want something badly enough, you can get it. And so you go for it and you don't get it. And and then maybe that fits into your next thing, which is letting go of limiting beliefs and the belief that you can have it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the things I say is um, we have to let go of being attached to how things should be. There is no should be. It is this is how they are. And that is a huge thing to wrap your head around, and especially if you're in the early stages like you said, if you're one or two years out, to let go of, well, my life should be. You know, like I could say, you know, Brandon should be here. Or I could have um, controlled I could, it. I could have done something. Yes, absolutely. And and all of the should be's in the world are not going to move you forward. It's sitting in the reality of what is. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that first shock of of realizing that it isn't a fair world, accepting it that you know it's just not going to be that way. What about loving yourself and others? <laughs> so that really came from a place of um, how much I beat up on myself after Brandon died, and um, and then, but I will say that. I really had this queued up really well because I had a lifetime of believing that I really wasn't good enough and that there was something wrong with me. And so it was a very easy place for me to go to say, I deserve this or um, I was a bad parent. And eventually what I realized was it was what it was and there was nothing I could do to change it. And until I started being kind and compassionate to myself, in the same way that I would treat another person, I wasn't going to integrate this experience because my expectation of myself was different than what I expected other people. Like I expected other people to accept love and compassion from me, but I wasn't willing to hold myself to that same standard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of where that comes from. Really which is so true. That, which is so true in life. I'm always saying to people, you know, you're you're violently communicating with yourself. And the things that we tell ourselves, we would never tell a friend. We wouldn't talk to a friend like that. No. Isn't it amazing? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a book called The Inner Game of Tennis, and that's what it says. Don't ever say anything to your partner on the tennis courts that you wouldn't say to yourself. Mm, I like that. I mean, don't say anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to your partner. Yeah. Sorry. The yes, yes. So let's talk about the next one, which is creating connections that heal. What kind of, what's that about? <laughs> so um, it took me a long time. I am not a joiner by nature. Uh, I am a little bit of a rebel, and I like to be independent. And so when I realized as part of my process that my connection to other bereaved people and the community and the support that that community could provide me, it was a massive shift for me because I, I really spent four years trying to distance myself from the bereaved community and trying to create this space of that's you guys, but this is me. And it was sort of by accident that I started to get involved in a bereaved community. And it was the best thing I could do because they understood like no one else. How did you can't, you can't hide out in a bereaved community, can you? <laughs> no, you really can't. But how did you accidentally <laughs> get involved, Paula? <laughs> How does that happen? um, Did you take a wrong turn somewhere? Yeah, I did. I ended up in a support group. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I had a friend, and and she was really an acquaintance, but she unexpectedly lost her son. And a mutual friend said, will you please go with Andrea to Uh a Compassionate Friends support group? And um, I was like, no, I'm not going. And then, (laughs) you know, I saw her, and I just remember thinking, okay, you know what, this is part of the journey. Part of the journey and part of that connection is being two or three steps ahead of somebody and holding your hand out and saying, I will help you through this. Like Mm -hmm. that's a vital part of connection to me. And so I went with her to a compassionate friends support group meeting. And I remember sitting in there and thinking to myself, these are my people and I need to quit making it or creating that distance between me and these people that I created in my mind, in my imagination, I was separate from them. And the reality was they're beautiful, amazing, resilient, strong, powerful people who had some answers that I 
would never have come up with on my own. Well, the Compassionate Friends is an incredible organization, but it's also a group none of us want to be a member of. Exactly. So I can kind of see the resistance there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, talk about your last one, because Heidi and I are big on this, which is gratitude, and we know that uh, <laughs> that actually can change your chemistry. It does. And, again, I you know, I have this background in wellness, and I knew um, that things like gratitude and appreciation um, change the way we think and the way – our brains actually work. But in my process, um, and like I said, I'm very much like woo-woo princess and research scientist, you have to prove it to me. And so I went through a a stage where I wanted the proof that gratitude wasn't just like some woo-woo, fairy, wary, hairy thought that like people just think happy thoughts and you're happy. So I went in and did research and um, talked to people who had researched it and read books on it until I really felt like, wow, um, there is no disputing this, that when we practice gratitude, um, it changes the way our brains are hardwired. And and it's true. Yep, absolutely. Well, listen, Mm -hmm. I I want to tell people that they need to get your book because we discovered uh, some of the elements in this book. And the cool thing about it is it's kind of a little workbook for you. So um, at the end of these chapters, you can go in and do your little own stuff in here. And it's a great book, From Grief to, Grief to Growth. So Thank how you. do they get it? And tell, tell people where they'll find um, So the easiest way to get the book is to just go to Amazon. And so Google Amazon, and then from there you can search From Grief to Growth. And um, it'll be under Paula Stevens obviously my name. Um, If you would like more information about what I do and um, my blogs and that sort of thing, you could go to crazygoodgrief.com and that will take you to my website and there you can read the blogs. And I have so many beautiful people in my community that have commented and, um, you know, are just part of that community of being resources for each other and being that support that we talked about, that connection that I was so resistant to, but it turns out it was really life-changing for me. <laughs> so you're in Colorado? I am, yes. And where are you, and do you have a private practice? Are you teaching yoga, or what's, what's going oh, on? Oh, gosh. So um, I'm right outside of Denver, and most of what I do these days is speak. Um, so I'm doing a lot of speaking, and I do workshops that um, where we do some yoga and we do meditation, and I have a specific uh, yoga practice that is yoga for grief and it's very heart opening and it's very safe and um, you know we oftentimes end up in tears and that's a good thing those are good tears um, and then we do some work that comes out of the book and we oh, do I have to be grief. flexible absolutely not no <laughs> it is yoga for everybody it is absolutely you could do it in a chair um, yeah no it is all access yoga for sure Sounds good. I love it. Wish you were closer. We could all yoga together. I love it. And I, I loved, I love, she's a great instructor. I've had her. It was a great way to start my day at Compassionate Friends. Please go find Paula, look her up, visit her, and go to her classes if you're in the area. Thank you. Thanks so much, Paula. Thank you for everything you're doing for the world. 
Absolutely, and I love the fact that you've got the guts to stand out there and say grief to growth because it's hard to hear that early on. But it's there, people. Heidi and I want to tell you, isn't it, Heidi? Absolutely. It is absolutely there. And, you know, post-traumatic growth, we grow in ways we never, ever would have imagined after the worst losses in our lives. So thanks, Paula. You are very welcome. Namaste to you both. You too. You too. Well, Heidi, again, inspirational, uh, wonderful. It's what p- if people need at different stages in their life. If it's hard for you to hear now, just uh, tuck it away in your drawer and pull it out when you're ready to move on a bit in your life. But be where you are, right? And remember, you can move on and take your loved ones with you also. Absolutely. We never forget them. Love, love lasts. Anyway, we want to thank everybody for listening to the show today, and we want to remind you to visit us at opentohope.com. And we also want to say, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.